Hello and welcome to the Behind the Wheel podcast, the culmination and brainchild of my own love for cars, but also my determination to ensure that nobody ever goes through what I've been through. That is hating their nine to five and living only for the weekends. Imagine millions of people around the world united by a huge love for cars. That's exactly what petrol hedonism is all about. And I'm so delighted to have its founder, Chiro, on the podcast again today. But this time to share his amazing journey to date, what's in store for the future, and the highs and lows of creating something that really is a passion-led project. Speaking of lows, perhaps one of his biggest lows was literally watching his one-of-one modified and bespoke Lamborghini Roadster burst into flames following a 20-minute drive with his young daughter, which has had perhaps unforeseen and unintended consequences for the brand as a whole that is obviously incredibly famous for organising and hosting some of the biggest car events in the UK. Most notably, Petronism Live is literally about to happen and this will bring together some of the biggest names in the car world from Tim Burton aka Shmi, Matt Watson from CarWow, Richard Rawlings of Gas Monkey Garage and the YouTube sensation that is Freddie Tavarish Hernandez. All the while giving car lovers the opportunity to see some of the most beautiful and exquisite cars in the world. Hope you guys enjoy this and take care. And hopefully in the next seven days, we'll have a replacement car. Oh. Yeah. I know you're not going to reveal. Um, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> there's two. Oh, there's so, two. There's two. So um, I've kind of decided to buy a replacement. I'm going to tease, I guess, here. Really love the uh, Maserati MC20. Oh, God. Um, <clears throat> potential for Ferrari, GTC4 Lusso, which I really love, or 488 Spider, And obviously there's Lamborghini. So always making it bigger, better, faster, louder. Chiro, I had you on a couple of, well, it was a while ago, now I had you on, way before... I suppose in my head, the brand exploded and seems to be like everywhere. But before we go into that, uh, Chiro, I want to cast your mind back to probably one of the biggest nightmares you've ever experienced, which was uh, the 10th of July of this year, man. Is that date sort of like, is that tattooed somewhere on your body, I'm sure? Or what, what? That, that, that's <laughs> imprinted. You, man. That that day is imprinted in my memory for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, we'll go back to that day, but uh, I just want to say thank you for having me back behind the wheel. Uh, it was great last time, and I'm sure it's going to be amazing this time. We're two weeks out from, uh, I keep saying it every year, the biggest event of my life because it just gets bigger and bigger, uh, Petrol Hedonism Live. But 10th of July, you want to go there, right? I want to I want to go there, man, because, um, well, the, the – the reason I want to go into it, Chiro, is because it's 
it's quite it's quite hard to describe, but I think there were many people who felt like they lost, like they had lost something, which is quite weird because it was obviously your car. Yeah, that's mad. It was like we all felt like this connection to, to this car, man. But obviously, no more so than you, man. So just just cast your cast our minds back to what happened and what kind of went through your mind, man. Yeah. So firstly, we're at the Arbar Festival, which is one of the events I host to collaborate with the Arbar Phoners Club. We were there all day. It was blistering hot, and I had the car on display as like a honorary Arbar member that I am. I had the Lamborghini Aventador Roadster. Viola Ophelia, UFO Bull. She's got so many names. Hubert Era 001. Um, and she was the only Hubert Era uh, in the world. Um, still was and still is. Um, and after the event, I drove home as I would do, but it was a lovely hot day. I had the roof off and I drove it home. On the way home, I filled it up with petrol. Uh, I think it wasn't empty anyway, but I wanted to fill it up because I had things to do that week with the car, like normally going to rent or going like as a guest or going to visit people and it's always important to take the car with me um done ten thousand miles in a year in that car but literally it is the, it is the uh jewel in the crown for what petrolism is and she's the showpiece as it were so everybody identifies with the Ophelia, with petrol hedonism and what we've done and seen it everywhere as well not only physically but auto trader review she's been in the background of like car wow she's 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 had so much international press when um, Sean Huber uh, released the kit on the world last year with the car. So, got her, filled it up, and when I fill the car up, I fill it up. So I got to £88.50. Obviously, I think I was just over a quarter of a tank when I started filling it up. Got to £88.50, click, top it up to £90, because I like, always round it up. Everybody I speak to rounds it up. Click, 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 to £90. Got there, paid, drove home. Parked the car on the driveway, went in, emptied the car, like my high beers, radios, all the stuff that I take back with me after an event, put more back on charge. And I said to uh, one of my daughters, Tia, so I've got four daughters, Tia's the third daughter, said, oh, do you want to go out uh, for, for a drive? And then when we get back, I'll take Lola out for a drive. But, you know, they either want like a McDonald's milkshake or an ice cream or like a Starbucks cookies and cream uh, frappe or something. And I thought, it's a nice hot day. They've been in, all, they've been at home. I've been out of there. I haven't seen them. Let's go for a drive. And yeah. They, they like doing that every now and then because it's not it's a bit of a treat that I'm not busy and I've got the car out sort of thing. So half an hour after the car sat on the driveway, we go out, we drive through Bedford and we get to Starbucks. She wants cookies and cream frappe. I get spotted in the um, uh, Starbucks drive drive through. Guy comes to my window. It's a fellow car club member uh, from one of the other car clubs I'm part of. Says hi, how amazing the car's looking, blah, blah, blah. Go through, get a drink, and we drive home. So I'm not doing 80, 90 miles an hour illegally. I'm not doing 40 and a 30. And I'm just driving home to, like, cruising home. Yeah, most of it is 30 mile an hour through Bedford, getting back to home. Get to um, the roundabout, and we stop. We take a selfie because I'm stopped at the traffic lights, and we take a selfie because we've got to commemorate that day, that moment. I love taking photos like that. Uh, especially with my daughters, and put the phone back in the holster. Re uh, red light goes green, goes across the roundabout, and there's another set of lights halfway up in front of Sainsbury's in Clapham, Bedfordshire. And I stopped there, and then I could smell something. But I looked behind me in the re rearview mirror, and I could see smoke, and it's like grey smoke, like nearly black, but grey smoke. And I'm like, 
that that ain't right. That's not like exhaust fumes or anything like that. That's like right behind me. That ain't right. I said, Tia, Dad's gonna have to drive through these red lights and get to a safe place on the other side because then after that set of lights, there's a roundabout. They put three, four sets of lights around that. On the other side, I've got a choice of busy A road on the left, busy A road straight ahead, or going into Clapham Village and Clapham Bedfordshire, by the way, not London. Clapham Village uh, to the third right. We used to live in that village and I still live there. Um, there's a disused pub on the left. And I was like, I know there's a pretty decent layby I can get to there and we can get safely like, to that point. So I went through four red lights safely around the roundabout, obviously cars coming in all directions. So I just got around that. So that probably delayed us getting out of the car and the fire probably already taken hold. Get into that lay-by. I told Tia to reach into the glove compartment, pull out the fire safety stick. I'm an ambassador and an advocate for fire safety stick over fire extinguishers, where a fire extinguisher will shoot for eight seconds and it's done, but it could ruin your interior, your engine, everything needs to be rebuilt. This fire safety stick shoots for about 50 seconds plus and it smothers the fire, puts it out. So she reached in for that. Asked her to move her seat forward because to release the boot lid is behind her. So I was like proper like focus what to do. So as I'm driving around the roundabout and we get to that point there, she's already moved her seat forward. She's already got the fire safety stick in her hand. So then as soon as I pull up, the roof's off the car, by the way, the windows are down. I tell her to jump out and run forwards and I get out with a fire safety stick. Having popped the boot, boot lid, I jump out, try it. It's not... The fire, obviously, is already red hot flames and stuff. So I'm trying the fire safety stick. It's doing something, but I couldn't stand there because I'm worried that the petrol tanks are full. This thing's going to explode. So I threw it in there, which is one of the other things we know is a technique you can do with them. Um, And it fizzed away and it did dissipate it a little bit. But then it kind of just failed because the fire taking it as a fuel fire. Clearly, we know that now it was a fuel fire. So only thing I could do was call the fire brigade straight away. Once I dropped that in there and my hands were free, I called the fire brigade. I um, great phone call told them exactly where I was. I knew where I was and um, my knowledge of the village. So that was on. They were on their way. I turned around off the phone call. My daughter's still running. So she she's like not the fifty meters away. She's like one hundred and fifty meters away. She's still running. I was like, hey, stop, stop, stop. Come back this way. So you're near me, but don't get near the car. Um, so the fire brigade gets there eight minutes later. Now, what I did, which I know now, um, was a massive silver lining, not only for social media and um, it went viral, basically, because I filmed, obviously, me talking to the camera with a car burning behind me. I did that, A, to kind of manage the the situation because people then by that point driving past taking photos filming it as they drove past you know like i i thought it's best i film this i'm i managed the um the story behind it in terms of what's happened how it's happened before it just goes around that you know it whatever whatever people could twist it so i filmed it and as i'm filming it i'm talking about it, the car burning behind me yeah i was pretty emotional talking about it because that car was a dream to achieve that car not only for me, for petrol hedonism and what it meant to people, what I'd put into that car with Sean Hubel, you know, one of one of one of one in so many ways. And literally she'd got to a point where she was finished. There was nothing else I needed to do to her. Like she just had the carbon fiber bonnet fitted. The wheels had arrived. They were personalized petrol hedonism and Hubert era by West Forge. We had um, 
friend of ours, Harvey, one of my ambassadors, done the door seals for petrol hedonism. The calipers had been colour-coded and uh, personalised as well. Everything about the car on that moment was perfect. She was finished. Um, so I'm kind of emotional in the video. I've got my sunglasses on, but I think people can tell I'm pretty emotional. And then the fire brigade turns up. They're bang straight on it, out with the hose. You see it all in the video. And I turn the camera so it's filming them, filming it. Um, and two things that happened in that video were, yeah, I filmed it and it showed how bad and how intense the fire was. That was a good thing because the insurance used that video to investigate the fire location, the intensity of fire. They could see immediately, the engineer told us, could see immediately it was a fuel fire. Um, but the second thing was the way the roller coaster emotions that I went through. When I'm filming the fire brigade putting out the fire, and remember, the roof is off, the windows are open, the doors are up, because I literally jumped out and ran to the back of the car. They gave my interior full wash with that chemical water that they used to put the fire out. And like while I'm filming it, I'm going, okay, the fire's bad, but now they've washed the interior, the electrics, the instruments, the dash, totally doused in this water. I thought, now they've killed the car. They had to do it. There's no question about it. They had to do it. But uh, <laughs> to that extent, you know, I, I was like, at that point, I thought, there's no coming back from this. But I still had hope. Um, so wait, so, video, so you you were still kind of going through a process of it could be salvaged in some way up until that point? In my head, for the next 24 hours after the fire, I was, this can be salvaged. I spoke to Raj at Supercar Service, who sponsors... Petrol hedonism looks after the car, has always serviced it. We we don't just service it once a year. You know, like with Lambos, you have to service them once a year. That's what Lamborghini say you have to do. Minor, minor service, then major service. Minor, minor, major. We had that car into Raja since I bought it, like three, four times, always dumping out the oil, checking it, changing the oil out. Because I'd done 10,000 miles, we weren't only just doing what the service book says. He was looking after the car properly. Um, we even had obviously, a custom exhaust made for that car. After four months, we took the exhaust off. Not for any reason, other I didn't have anything to do with the car for a month or so, like November, December, to the exhaust off, sent it back to the guys that made it for me out of performance fabrications, got them to check it over, make sure there was like no kind of stress cracks or anything like that, and put it back in. So, you know, we meticulously looked after that car, and the fact that I was doing 10,000 miles a year, whereas I'd only do 1,500 in the Gallardo that we used to have, um, I knew that I wanted to keep on top of it. So when I spoke to Raj, he's like, look, get it here tomorrow. We'll have a look over it from what you sent me. It's, it's all repairable. It's all, you know, it, it, the parts are there. We can, we can build it. So the video went viral because I put it on my Instagram and I've got 40,000 odd um, subscribers, followers, and obviously people sharing it. And I remember this when Buzz Patar had his GTR burn on the motorway. And he just stood there helplessly, not being able to do it, filmed it. And people that are non-car guys might say, well, why did he film it? Why did he do anything? You, there's nothing you can do. So I kind of, in my first words of that video, I said, you know, I remember my friend Buzz going through this. And you're helpless. There's nothing else you can do. So I wanted to film it, to document it. I wanted to like, control the narrative like, of what went out there. And then obviously... Um, Newspapers got hold of it through my TikTok, through my uh, Instagram, and it just went wild from there. So looking back, there's a lot of silver linings because that car, what that car had done for petrolism in the last year was phenomenal. But she 
achieved in the following moments of the fire, she achieved like something that I'd never known before. Not just for the car, it was more for me as petrol hedonism and me for what we do as a group, create events, bring the community together uh, at a grassroots level, but obviously represent at a larger level as well. And she did even more social media amazing stuff after her death, let's say, to what she'd done before. But the silver lining for me was the outpouring love. I was I was even telling a friend yesterday, it took me three to four weeks to get through all the DMs, personal messages, um, phone calls. And I, I kind of get OCD. I need to clear those notifications. But it took me like three weeks to get through those. And we go back to what I said about hoping we could bring her back. I go back, I go to sort of supercar service the next day. We've had the car delivered there. Um, she had to be lifted because the handbrake was stuck on, everything else. Obviously, all the cables had burnt away and like melted. And when I got to Raj's, we started talking about rebuilding her, probably be a 12 month to 18 month journey. We'll, we'll film it all for YouTube and be this amazing rising of the Phoenix and like she'll be back. It'll be amazing. And when I saw her in a cold light of day, um, we, uh, still she was just sat in the corner of his uh, yard because couldn't move her forward or back, couldn't get on a lift or anything. Even Raj said, this isn't going to be 12 months. This is going to be longer than that. This is going to be waiting for parts because there's a massive part shortage out there. This is going to be um, body work. This is going to be a situation where when he saw the video, he, said, he didn't say to me until the next day, but when he saw the video and he saw them give that interior a deep wash with a pressure jet, he was like, you never know whether you're going to have gremlins in the system because of the water damage to the interior. On from that, I came away from that thinking she ain't going to make it back. It's not going to be because the intensity of the fire in that corner behind the driver's seat where the fuel filler cap is, we already kind of knew at that point without the uh, insurance investigation that it had something to do with uh, EVAP. And EVAP was a recall that Lamborghini did on the event stores in 2017. Now, mine had had all the recalls done, but... It was still a fire risk if you overfill the car, which I didn't know that. But apparently, when you read Lamborghini's uh, recall, it does say Lamborghini Aventador's at risk of fire when overfilled. And that's why the that recall was done in 2017. But clearly, it's not fixed the problem. And there's been a lot of Aventador fires for this reason. So now, if anybody's listening, anybody is lucky enough and i i say lucky because i'm blessed to be have have owned a lamborghini i can get a replacement now um just don't overfill your cars just when you get to that first click click out go cash out and go go pay yeah. up at the, at the cashier because don't click 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 because you're you're putting yourself at risk of a fire however i say this i've done ten thousand miles in that car i always click 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 always get to a rounder number and I've never had a fire before or I had an issue with potential fire. So why that day? Why that moment? I have no idea. Did something in the EVAP system kind of fail or was an O-ring like collapse? I don't know. But something happened that day to cause that fire. And I had no idea. Having done 10,000 miles in a year, I had no idea I was ever at risk of a fire. But came away from Rogers that 
probably not a good idea to rebuild her. And then just started the process of insurance. And I've got to say, ERS, uh, elevated insurance for my brokers, ERS for the insurers. Fire happened on a Sunday evening, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. You know, these guys go into their office at like 8.45 or 9 a.m. They clock on. 9 a.m. They phone me and already investigate, going into it, getting the details. And wow. they were brilliant. They were brilliant. Like, I thought, I had a sleepless night. I had a sleepless night worrying that I hadn't declared my modifications. Worrying at what level I'd insured it, and we got on the phone to me at nine o'clock. You put my mind at ease already. Yeah, you've declared all your mods. Yeah, we know about this, we know about that. And also, you've got an agreed value, which is where you set the value when you take the policy out to say, Do you agree? I think it's worth this. Do you agree with that? And they agreed it. And we're now two months ahead, and payout's been agreed. And hopefully, in the next seven days, we'll have a replacement car. Oh. Yeah. I know you're not going to reveal. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> you're going to have to go over to my YouTube channel to find out what the two new cars are. There's two. Oh, there's so, two. There's two. So um, I've kind of decided to buy a replacement. I'm going to tease, I guess, here. Really love the uh, Maserati MC20. Oh, God. Um, <clears throat> potential for Ferrari. GTC4 Lusso, which I really love, or 488 Spider, and obviously there's Lamborghini. So I'm not going to say what it is here. Uh, I have to head over to Petrol Hedonism YouTube on any social media. While I'm just going to selflessly promote myself now, on any YouTube, on any social media format, if you put in Petrol Hedonism club or petrol hedonism that's us that's where you find us yeah absolutely absolutely man i mean i'm i'm so excited it's my first time going to one of your events chiro and obviously you've got matt watson right coming along yeah. uh you've also got tim burton as well shmi coming on uh and it's funny because i've actually got tim shmi's book uh, uh tim burton's book on my desk right now which i'm going through i'm so excited to meet him man uh just just talk us through kind of like the, the i mean let me tell you why that car of yours was personal to me, right? Because um, it was it was one of those things where I remember you said to me when you were going through your mental health kind of, you know, um, crisis and just how tough things were back when you were working, ridiculous hours, it was stressful, you weren't really happy, but you had, you had that first Lambo, right? But it it was you were just so so upset so unhappy and it felt like your dream was to make and i remember you said this year you said to me you want petrohedonism to be everywhere right yeah. and i remember you said that and to me the lambo represented where you were on your journey and you doing yeah. it on your terms and you doing it finally out of something you love right and that's what it just it was to me that that car symbolized you're like where you are right now and chiro meant the car the car meant you the car meant the brand mm. and that's why it's so beautiful to me um but and it was obviously so sad for me to see what happened there right um but in 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 terms of the brand and where it is right now just kind of talk us through you know it's easy for some people to think yeah you know like matt watson's coming along shmi's coming along like these are obviously amazing huge people but i want people to understand the journey like what what's been some of the biggest 
kind of hardships and difficulties from the time when we spoke, whenever it was about a year, maybe two years ago, and now, and kind of what seems like how the brand is just freaking everywhere, man. Like, just talk us through kind of the journey, if you like, from then to now, man. So um, I think I'll take it to during COVID, like all our events until that point had been based here at the Sharper Hotel up here. That photo is quite iconic behind this collage of uh, events that done here. Sharnbrook went on that wall in 2017. And um, 2017 was a big year. Petrol, petrol hedonism was the first time I'd used, um, I'd coined the phrase, the word. And it was like an umbrella brand for all the events here at Sharnbrook, where we did nine events a year. Um, really popular, massive support. It was it was started before Caffeine and Machine and some of the other motor hubs and places that are amazing that are now around the UK bringing petrolheads together. Um, we've been doing events here since 2007. So hit COVID and I'm at home doing nothing for the first time ever. And literally everything just stopped. It was like for hospitality, anything I could do bringing people together just stopped. Like for many people. So I maintain we're all in the same storm, but in different boats. So as we get through like being at home stuff, I actually rejoiced in that time, being able to have that time at home with the kids, go out for walks, watch the whole Marvel uh, series from start to finish with whatever this, the proper order is. Um, but at the same time, worried sick about finances, worried sick about business, worried sick about how to keep the staff paid and everything else. So it was it was most horrible time of my life. But looking back now, when I um, I meet with my therapist once every two weeks. She asks me things that I've been grateful for um, in my life. And the last three, eight, nine, and ten, eight is being diagnosed with depression in 2016, understanding it, going through the therapy, making me a better person, making me grow as an individual. And for my personal development, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for that diagnosis. So I'm thankful for that, even though it's probably one of the darkest times of my life. Then... I now look back and I thank COVID because it made me reevaluate everything in that time that we had at home. And had it not been for COVID, when I look back, this hotel would have been the busiest ever that year. I was all out from January to make this the busiest year ever. And car shows, everything at the hotel, I would have been based here, I would have been kind of stuck here. And that didn't happen. But when we came out of um, the lockdown one, 4th of July, I found the energy, I activated again, and with my contacts in petrol hedonism, um, I realized for the first time ever, I've been building relationships for about 15, 16 years through the car shows, through the network I built, through the community I started building. And so because you could only bring a few people together, we started reaching out to some of the car clubs saying, look, you can have a drive-in pizza afternoon. You all come in in your individual cars. We park you all individually next to your own bench. You pre-order with Google Forms your pizza order and your drink order. We'll bring it out to you to keep you safe. And you just need to maintain your distance. So from the Fiat 500 UK club to the Arbath club to um, so many smaller clubs like uh, Mustang Club UK, uh, people that we've worked with that attended our events. And because we're only saying can we have 20, 25 cars, it brought them out. But then as soon as things got a little bit looser, those numbers could increase. I think one of the biggest collaborations we first did was with Tucked Automotive. So Lee um, knew of me, etc. saw what I was doing and like he reached out. And I think when the first event was it could have 250 to 300 people, he sold it out within two hours. 
and it was like, wow, this works. So we did another one and he sold it out for 400 people because obviously we got a bit bigger again. Sold out for 400 people in a couple of hours. So then I've seen the power of his social media and his following and their, their collaboration was born. So I thought, well, this really works. Surely I've got something here that I can facilitate for clubs that haven't held events before. I've got the event knowledge in terms of marshalling, setting up in the background. Uh, I've got all the facilities like radios, the food, etc. We can host it here. And so with different car clubs, um, as we went through, we just started building it and building it. And then I got uh, into my location in Findon with Paul and Anna, who own that, uh, Towerfields. And that's a five-acre blank canvas. It's an ex-cricket ground. It's got a clubhouse, which isn't usable at the moment, but it's a blank canvas. You can bring the food traders in. It's got toilets. It's got a really good entrance in, uh, exit as well. So it works really well. So I spoke to Calvin. Calvin's the car director. What do you think about hosting an event? Bang, 2021, we put in a CCD, the event. Uh, Bag Society, we did an event for them this year. We booked Finden for Tugged and we booked Finden for Max Power. Finden can take 400 show cars and a further uh, 800 spectators. That's the capacity of it. So about 1,500 to 2,000 people. Max Power sold that out within a week. It was going to be the first Max Power, the reunion, sold it out within a week. So immediately we had to find another venue. And we changed the venue, found Toaster Racecourse, which could take 5,000 people. So I was thinking, okay, well, it takes 5,000. We'll never get to that. And we booked that in March 2021. The event was in September. We had over 6,000 people attend that event. And that was a major collaboration. Literally two weeks ago, we did the Max Power reunion at uh, British Motor Museum. And again, that was an amazing event. Um, And again, while while, while I'm on that subject, we... I've hosted the Max Power Reunion with Mark Smith, who runs the reunion page for two years. And we have a really good relationship. And we've just had a debrief after it. And it's worked really, really well. And hopefully he's he says he's learned from me. So next year he's going to try and do it on his own with some support for, from me. But he's going to go at it and do it himself. But that's cool. Uh, we've tucked. We'd sold out finding um, it was just too small. So we booked Duxford Air Aerodrome but not Duxford, the museum, we the area across the road. Um, and that was going to be June 13th, 2021, when we were only allowed to meet in groups of six outside to half the venue capacity. We had 5,000 people at that event. No, nothing else was going on. It was a really hot day. People brought their deck chairs. It was as if COVID had never happened. It was unreal. It was amazing. Nobody got COVID from that event. Nobody told us they got COVID. Everything was done as we were supposed to have done. This is June 2021. And that like put that propelled tucked events onto like the whole spectrum and already out there as like one of the main events to go to for the year. So then we hosted Tucked at the park in August 2021 at Shuttleworth. So then I've not moved only to find an event, did events at Charmbrook, did events at Finden. We've used Duxford, we've used Shuttleworth House. We, we've used Toaster Racecourse. So I started seeing that there's opportunities here to use other venues because they've got big capacity. Capacity here at the hotel, in those big events there, it's 1,500, 2,000 people max. And on those days, there was traffic everywhere. So by collaborating with these clubs, doing what I know 
how to do is putting on an event. They sell the tickets, they've got their audience. I also promote it through my pages and my network and my ambassadors and my marshals. And the events have just been amazing. Finding is always a great starting point we've got. Finding for when there's an established club that hasn't got an event, but they want to collaborate with us on an event. My first point is let's do finding. If you can sell out finding in the first event and we have a really good event, then we look to a bigger venue next year. And VAG Society, for instance, this year, first event at Finden, after three events here at the hotel, they sold out every Shambrook one, sold out Finden, bang, next year we're looking at something different. And there's more venues coming online all the time. So from October, once uh, Nebworth's done, I'll be out on the road, going to meet venues. Um, reputation works well for us, that we walk into a meeting or walk into a venue and people know of us. I would have sent them videos beforehand to say, look, we work with the British Motor Museum. We're talking to and working with the National Motor Museum in Bewley. We've worked with Turvey House this year for a phenomenal event and Wilton Mills Carton Circuit. There's there's so much variety and we want to move around the UK. I've got a um, friend, promoter, that's got a 3,000-acre site, flat land in Birmingham. And we're really excited about that because it will have the infrastructure built so we can turn up, have a car show and go again. And it's a private owner as well. So... You know, when you're working with a private owner, there's a little bit more slack on what you can or can't do. So, no, yeah. it's, it's really exciting. But what Petrol Hedonism has done, the term I, for, I use is omnipresenter. And yes. omnipresenter is a biblical term where being everywhere at the same time for everyone. And I wanted it, not in a biblical sense, not to kind of say, you know, we use the hashtag, we're all messengers, and it's a religion. They're two of our hashtags. But in a sense that, you know, we're all disciples, we're, we're all cultural heads and we we all come together and there is an amazing sense of whether it's positive mental health for everybody being out, all having the same passion and sharing the same love and we're all there for that main reason. And within that, you always get factions of people that don't like the paint colour on his car or don't like what he's modded to him or people like me that they didn't like the body kit on the Lambo. That's cool, but it's my Lambo. As Tate said, what's the colour of your Bugatti? You know what I mean? So that is probably my favourite Tate message ever. What's the colour of your Bugatti? Because it says so much in that phrase. Yeah, you know absolutely. You know, there there are factions within the Petrohead community and stuff like that. People that only love bikes, people that only love cars, that only like classics, that only like retro, they like supercars, or supercars don't do anything for them. And going back to what you said at Petrohead Live now, I finished Petrolism Live last year. We clashed with Goodwood, we clashed with Gravity, but we still had a solid 7,500 people a day attendance. It was amazing. This year, we're not clashing with anything. We moved it a week back. Um, any organiser of any events, especially outdoor events, your biggest anxiety is weather because you can't control that. But in terms of what I, po- I went out to do is create a unique event that nobody else is doing. And through my relationships, through... The respect that I give, but also get back within the community. I've got friends across the whole network, whether it's Paul Cowland, who's TV presenter, Helen Stanley, actually worked with Paul on some TV shows, but she was Goblin's Garage. Shane Lynch, who was there last year, understated, was just there enjoying the show for two days. Um, Matt Armstrong has come along. Tim Schmee, we filmed with Viola Felia at his garage. Bring the book, make sure you get him to sign it when you meet and greet him. Um, 
Richard Rawlins, of course, has become a friend. And I said to you about, we bought two cars. One of them is a um, replacement. One's a tribute car. This tribute car needs a lot of parts from America, but it's not American. And um, like Richard Rawlins is there again, and he's become a friend, been out to his garage twice in the last year. Um, Big Chris, who works with Richard, has been such an instrumental player in all the arrangements for us uh, with that. But Matt Watson is there on a Saturday. I do a lot of work with Carwell, and he's really excited about doing that on a Saturday. Uh, Tavarish is huge, coming in from New Jersey. Um, and he's got over two and a half, 2.4 million subscribers on YouTube. But what he does is so brilliant as well. Uh, we've got Rob Pitts. Now, Rob Pitts is flying in out of Greenland, uh, South Carolina. And if you don't know Rob Pitts now and you're a car guy, he's just finished filming an hour, a Netflix series. And so everybody's going to know Rob Pitts in the next three months. So we've got Rob over on a flight. He's just there to drink beer and check out the cars and talk to people. He's such a cool dude. He's got that Southern Carolina drool. Um, but his biggest claim to fame on VidWiki with Ed Bolian, he's one of the most prolific storytellers on VidWiki. He's probably one of the most watched uh, storytellers on VidWiki, but he was the eBay outlaw. He was the first person to ever be banned by eBay. And if you want to know oh, about that, go to my YouTube channel. <laughs> absolutely. I've been here for that right after this, man. I mean, how did... Um, uh, I, I, I want to go back to something you said about... Um, and uh, I mean, sorry to kind of rewind back a little bit, but I, I just feel like it's it's really important. During lockdown, right? You know, it was one of the kind of those those those, those toughest times where you know, um, worry about finances, business and stuff, right? What what kept you going, man? What what kept you waking up every single day and still grinding, man? Because it sounds like uh, that doesn't happen to other people other people kind of it's so easy to kind of fall down that kind of route of feeling sorry well, no, for yourself I, I did like everybody else to start with when like for the first time ever on a saturday night i don't need to come to work and running a hotel or being in this business you are working on social hours and i've done this ever since i was 11 and we've had a restaurant as a family all that time and yeah i do go out sometimes and everything but the prime Focus is the restaurant, the hotel. And since we've had the hotel in 2006, like I'd work 60 to 80 hours a week. And yeah, I do take holidays and stuff like that. But even on holiday, I'll be on the phone at least a couple of hours a day fixing problems, fighting fires and dealing with stuff, whether it's um, emailing brides and grooms and stuff. So for the first time ever, there was nothing. And I've never had that time to chill at home. So I embraced it to start with. You've got all that worry in the background, like how the hell are you going to cover all the costs and stuff like that? And I remember getting onto the bank about going interest only on the hotel mortgage before we were anywhere near lockdown because I could see what was happening. All our bookings were cancelling and everything else. So all our income was going. Um, the first month, I really embraced it and chilled at home. And like, as I say, there was, I was really worried, but everybody else was going the same way and there was nothing we could do. Um, I think there was a moment where I was in, I was on the sofa watching the Marvel movie and I was so chilled, I probably hadn't moved that I'd gone numb and I felt like I'd become part of the sofa. And I remember thinking, like, how am I ever going to get my energy back to where it was, like having that drive, having that adrenaline pumping through your veins to get you going and like put stuff on and do what I did. But I think as soon as we got a glimpse of being able to reopen, I think they started talking around like, um, 
April, May, like what the plan was going to be about reopening and getting out there and meeting people again and being restricted on others and what the what the parameters were going to be, something switched on in me again. And so because you were then allowed to drive to your place of work and I was driving here, I would then do some Instagram lives up here with one of my cars at the top and speak to people around the world. I was talking to Nick of VF Engineering. We did a uh, live stream uh, on Instagram. And then just by doing that, I was able to demonstrate the relationships I had with people all over the world. It was crazy. And then it started reopening as in we, we can actually open. And so I thought, well, let's do outdoor cinema. And because we've got so many car people that come here, first film, 4th of July, 4th of July, Independence Day, we'll do Cannonball Run. And we'll invite all our friends with supercars and American muscle cars and stuff like that. And I was watching uh, CNN in my office, it's just on in the background. And the travel guy there, I can't remember his name right now, I'm black, but he said something about if you're doing something different coming out of lockdown, let us know. How is your business diversifying? I looked up his emails on the screen. I wrote him an email and it said, we're doing this, this, this. On the 4th of July, we've, we've, we've built a cinema screen with my scaffolders, next level scaffolding. We're going to like play this movie. We're going to have these cars there. We're doing these car clubs during the day. That Saturday, the 4th of July, was the first day that you could have people open again in the hospitality. We had three different car clubs, 12.30, 3 o'clock, 4.30, for the pizza um, by the bench and things like that, takeaway pizzas brought up to them. And in the evening, we had a Cannonball Run movie, which we filmed with Limelight TV. We supplied it to CNN, and the next day I'm being interviewed on CNN about what we were doing to diversify and come out. And like just things like that just gave me that energy back, that something to work towards. And again, I think with the hospitality industry, I've been in it since I was 11. I love bringing people together. I love seeing people have fun. And... I'm doing it now for the car community and I get off on organizing the events, bringing people together and the vibe at the events. And, you know, there's got to be some essentials to any event. There's got to be, there's got to be music. I think I bring the events to life by comparing them and talking to people. And just, even if I'm, I'm saying something random on the microphone about like, Oh, you get food up here or go over there. And I walk by someone's Datsun 240Z and I'm like, man, this 240Z is absolutely stunning. It just lifts the event. Now, I know nobody else is doing that, but that's just me that I do that at weddings here. I was doing it at weddings for like 15 years and I'm doing it out in the showground. And even like just from that, like Supercar Fest, May 2021, again, one of the first events outdoor, half capacity. We were there as petrol hedonism. We had a petrol hedonism area to bring some friends and guests and at 10 in the morning, we've just set up. Robin, Mark's dad, Mark and Robin only and run the event. Yeah. Came to me and said, Chiro, need to ask you a favour. I don't feel like you have to, but our commentator's uh, been caught up in something. He's not going to be here for another two hours, two and a half hours. Do you mind doing some comparing on the mic for us at the start line? And I was like, I didn't even think about it. I just said to him, Robin, I will do you proud. And literally, someone flicked to me again. I grabbed that mic, and then the rest of the day was amazing. But the commentator arrived at 12.30. This is brilliant. I love this. The commentator arrives, and he looks the part. He looks like one of those old-school British uh, commentators. Kind of slightly disheveled, hat, like, looked like yeah. an artist. Cool. And he's reading through this book. And like, he goes, when do you want me to take over? I was like, I'm cool. You just, what are you doing? So I'm just going through the book, because all the cars have got numbers on them. So now I can look in the book and find out what cars are. 
I was like, there's a book. I had no idea there was a book. I said to him, I didn't know about the book. He goes, well, how are you doing it then? I was like, I look at the car. Most of the owners, I know them, so I speak to them about the car. If I don't know them, I ask them about their car, make them feel included in what we're doing. I get them to speak about their, their car, which is obviously very proud ownership of that car for them, whatever it may be. Or if I know them, I have a bit of banter with them, but I know what the cars are. He's like, how long have you been doing this? I was like, 10 o'clock this morning. <laughs> and I was like, so from that moment, I smashed it on the supercar fest stage. And 2022, they literally, Mark and Robin wanted me back. The other commentator's gone. And I did two days fully on it with the energy levels. Um, on the Sunday morning, I'd written out a little welcome and I'd done it in like six different languages, including Japanese. And um, the first thing, like nine o'clock in the morning, everyone's setting up and I just read out this kind of welcome message to all the traders and sponsors and stuff like that. And I didn't realise they could hear me everywhere. <laughs> I thought it was just around the start line area. I lived there and the, the uh, speakers were everywhere. And... Yeah, there's a few people that came up since then. That was the best morning welcome they've ever had at an event. And it's just things like that. I just, I don't like scripts. I I don't look at the book to find out what cars are coming. I inherently know about cars, but I've always, uh, I've been through sales training when I came out of uni, uh, when I worked at HBC, and I learned to ask open questions. I already always did in that conversations, general conversations, but in a sales environment, ask open questions, get people to talk about themselves. People love talking about themselves. So for me, even if I didn't know them or the car, there's no harm in asking them what the car is or what what mods they've done to the car or anything like that. Because also, but I mean, sure, you you're known as someone, and I, I was talking to Sarah about this, actually, um, Sarah D- uh, Delaney, and um, you're known as someone who goes the extra mile. Like for you to say, it took me three weeks to respond to every single person that you know written something about the car or whatever or that kind of you know um the, the fact that you went up to every single person said hi how's it going we need to get them involved in the actual thing um where where does where does that come from man because like it just feels like to me you know um you you, you are someone who always goes the extra mile always man like even mm-hmm. even at, at your events man they're always it's not it's not just a simple event where you just turn up and 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 watch something there's, there's always more going on it's like where does where does that mm-hmm. come from man confidence and belief and just always like I came out of Petrolism Live last year as I said and already my focus was how do I grow this bigger and better and we've not gone bigger and better when I was with Richard filming in uh, Dallas in May this year we did a skit in his monkey trap and I said this year is going to be bigger badder and he said it's going to be faster louder and obviously his TV show on Discovery was called Fast and Loud and so it's like bigger, badder, faster, louder. We've used that as our phrase for this year's uh, Petrolism Live. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be badder. It's going to be faster. It's going to be louder. Um, it just things develop, man. It's just like you're vibing off so many positive people. And I, I find myself in a place where since we came out of COVID, there seems to be a, a huge platform of people that are about working with each other, not needing remuneration to do that, not needing like... I, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's selfless. Like the Queen, for me, was the most selfless human being for 70 years. Um, she played her role and serviced the country and the world. 
for me, there's this kind of selflessness about petrolheads at the moment. We demonstrated again at the British Motor Show where I had Adam C., Jack McNeil, Sam Hard, um, Mark McCann, and Scott Rattarossa as well. Like We were just all working together. We were given an opportunity to be there, uh, represent petrol hedonism, but also represent themselves. And we were major elements of some of the live action and stuff going on. But I think there's this platform of people that are selfless. And Richard Moggy Morgan, for instance, electric classic vehicles, he wants to be at the event. I want him at the event. He's bringing his Super Beetle. And the Super Beetle is Tesla-powered. And at Super, Supercar Fest, it did the most biggest burnout. So he's coming. We've spoken. He's coming. Then he sends me a WhatsApp. So can I do a burnout? And I'm like, well, no, it's a big event on grass. But I didn't leave it there as a no. I was like, I, I asked, how can we do a burnout? So yeah. guess what we've got now? In front of the stage, we've now got a burnout area being paved. Oh, man. <laughs> and not only just because we're going to do burnouts, there's a half-hour burnout challenge. So oh, we've got man. Jody from Thornton Motorcycles. He's bringing his supercharged 2.0 bobber, which fires flames out of both sides and he burns and lights those wheels up. Got him, so bike versus Super Beetle, which is electric, versus Ford Mustang, which is ice. So half an hour today, we've got that. And it just comes from that question where the answer is no, but I don't take no for an answer. And I'm like, how can we make that happen? And so then... I've got the Mustang sorted from Simply Mustangs, who were the biggest representative club at the event last year. So then he sends me a message going, yeah, we've got this one here, but we've got the loudest car in the country. How about, are you going to do a sound off challenge? And I was like, well, it's not on my, it's not on my agenda. It's not on my agenda. This is petrol hedonism live. So we need to bring some life, more life to the event. So I'm like, Okay, you keep your entry. And I contacted the guy that uh, won uh, the sound off at Max Power uh, reunion the other week. And he's going to come down. He can only be there on a Sunday. And so now we also have a sound off challenge as well. And it's just things like that that are inspired by others. Uh, we've got some phenomenal sponsors on board this year. We've got amazing partners on board this year for the event. And it just questions will arise and you think, well, yeah, why can't we do that? It's not, no, we can't do that. It's, why can't we do that? And then make it happen. So things evolve. Um, to say that we go into an event with a blueprint, you always go into an event with a blueprint of what you did previous year, but you want to grow it and make it better and fix some of the problems. And some of the biggest problems were the exit has a cattle grid. We tried to make it easier last year by having these rubber, rubber mattings down, but as soon as cars got on rubber mattings, they moved them. So every car had to wait for the rubber mat to be back. It's a cattle grid. You go over cattle grids everywhere, and any car can go over them. So that's been removed. Coming in when there's build-up of traffic for spectator tickets being checked, stuff like that, we've changed the traffic management team and used Nebworth's one, who knows the site better, but also for our sponsors, VIP celebrities, we've got a backdoor entrance. Uh, that they can use, and that's been agreed by Nebworth to avoid that issue. So always making it bigger, badder, faster, louder. Oh, well, I, I, I just can't wait. Honestly, I'm so excited. I mean, I'm actually more excited now than I am <laughs> than I was before we actually had this conversation. Man, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I have one final question. I know we're I know we're running out of time, but 
it's it's clear to me, Chiro, that the amount of time and effort goes into all these events, and you must still be an incredibly busy guy, and it must be so stressful. What's different now versus when you were doing probably the same number of hours before, 70, 80 hours a week? Uh, what's, what's the difference between now and then, man? Because now, like, I'll be honest, man, like, I don't think people will ever know or people can tell. I mean, you're very, very amazing and very open about mental health and you do a lot of work in that space and you're very open about it, which is amazing. But people would probably think, what? Shiro? Mental health? Nah, no way, man. Like, that guy's always happy, man. Like, he's always, you know, like, always just so full of energy. But it just seems like right now you're on like a you're on a roll man but what's different between between now and then man so differences i think i made a lot of changes into my life and the people i have around me and there was a lot of negativity and i look back now and you just thought it was a way of life and you thought there was no difference and you need to pull yourself out of that to realize that and make the change um the difference is also where I sit right now. I'm sat here right now in front of you. I've got all kinds of anxiety going on. I'm worried about the weather for network. I'm worried if we don't sell enough tickets, we're going to make a massive loss. I'm worried about people not turning up, as in like some of my... I'm not really worried about my uh, automotive influencers and uh, celebrities not turning up because they all know about the event that we're in, uh, broadcasts and chat groups about it and stuff like that, but that somebody's not going to be there because something happens. No, anything can happen in life. Um, and also, like for instance, the Coventry Motorfest got cancelled this weekend because the Queen died the other day. And I just like to think, well, if I know from an event organizer, that would have lost me a lot of money because you've got to pay for the stages in advance, you've got to pay for a lot of the infrastructure in advance. So I hope whoever those guys are, that they're they're okay and like they've got a backup plan and they can still do the Coventry Motorfest. Um, so there's a lot of anxiety going on right now. I've also been really worried about, obviously, the Lamborghini paying out and the insurance process. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. There's been questions and – sorry, I just got a phone call. Um, and so where I sit right now, I'm kind of riddled with anxiety, but I've learned over the last five years' journey of my therapist about how to manage it better. And always – one of the things I do is look at where you are. And because you're always looking at where you want to be, that's what kind of creates the expectation of yourself and the anxiety. Whereas you look where you are, you look at what you've got side by side, each side of you, and got your wife, kids, got all the things you can be grateful for. And that was the amazing exercise that my therapist put through a few weeks ago. Um, so biggest difference is who's around me and the amount of positive people around me. And again, that was highlighted through the fire and the outpouring of love for petrol hedonism what it does to people I had grown men walk up to me at events after that saying look I saw that video and I cried because it meant something to them and you know you see a Lamborghini on fire sometimes and you see the videos you see the comments and people calling him a dick and this that and the other and you might crash it and cause a fire or whatever I don't feel I had any of that I'm thick skinned anyway so I'd have taken it but I didn't have any of that the think the positivity far outweighed the negativity because with when you look at comments on a feed and they're all positive and they're all supportive if you're that negative person you won't want to comment because you know you're going to get attacked as it were and that was 
probably a good thing that I'd videoed it and controlled narrative on it in terms of what happened, how it happened, when it happened, and everything else. And it's interesting, like Lad Bible put it out. They asked me for permission, and when they put it out, they I told them what happened, but they put it out as today was so hot in the UK, Lamborghinis catching fire. I was like, I read the comments and I thought, this is stupid. Like, why would you even do that? So take it down. A, the insurance company are going to start asking questions. B, uh, it's going to be like, really? There's cars like this drive around Dubai in hot countries. It's not because England's on fire or anything like that. And I just thought it was just stupid. So Lab Bible took it down. Um, I'm a much stronger person through what I've been through with my depression, my mental health um, therapy. And you don't get out of that. What you do is learn to control it and manage it. And I had a really dark day Tuesday, four days ago. I had a really dark day. Literally everything seemed, seemed because it's your mind playing games on you. Everything seemed, whether it was the hotel, whether it was the car show, whether it was uh, the media business that we run, whether it's something else, whether it was personal, everything seemed to be one negative phone call after another. And I just had to switch all my phones off. I had to go get away from it all for a couple of hours in the afternoon. My wife got home. We went out for dinner. We talked about it. And then had a really good night's sleep, woke up the next day. And then from morning till night, everything just got positive, 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 positive. And you know what the biggest, our biggest enemy is our mind and how it interprets things, how it spins things, how your emotions control your reactions. And that's one of my biggest things. I'm quite emotionally charged. So it's kind of like teaching myself not to have that emotional reaction, have a more pragmatic response to things. And I've learned that. But mental health is such a huge thing, such a, such so important to me. Um, I would not have coped through COVID and all the anxiety and stress that I caused if I hadn't had my depression diagnosis in 2016 everything i went through from 2016 to 19 um, however dark it was prepared me for being able to deal with covid and now i look back at covid as a silver lining it made me change my direction made me rethink life i took my daughters away last weekend i've never been able to just drop stuff and go away for a weekend you know it was just to get away rather than being at home for saturday and sunday we had nothing on like event, events wise so that was a silver lining. And now coming into way petrolheads and stuff like that, having a structure, having an understanding of where I want to take petrolheads. We're having meetings under NDA with uh, European firms that want to bring products into the UK and they want petrolheadism to be at the forefront of that. And I'm like blown away because they picked us out. And so it can only go one way. It can only keep growing. But like you say, it is mega, mega stressful. I will be on my phone from the minute I open my eyes, 6.30 in the morning, checking what's coming overnight. Again, I'm OCD on my messages, DMs and stuff like that. I don't know how some people with bigger pages with 1 million plus followers do it because then that opens you up to even more messages and stuff like that. Um, but from 6.30 in the morning, literally, my phone's got 2% left on it now. It was 100% this morning when I woke up at 7. And so I've got 2% left, so we're going to have to bring this to a close soon. Um, but I'll recharge my phone twice a day and literally, especially in a build up to an event. But if you think from May to September, I am prolifically running events, maybe 
two on a weekend or every weekend I'm running events. So Nebworth now, two weeks to go, so much to do. The blueprint's there. I've started with the maps. We're four weeks ahead on what we're doing and things like that and the artwork for the stage and stuff like that. It's all working ahead, but there's still I could have I could be having five other conversations right now. I don't know how many WhatsApps I've and DMs I've received since we started this interview 57 minutes ago. And so I'm going to come off this phone, charge my phone, and then back on it again. And it's relentless, but I thrive on that. And I've learned that I thrive on that pressure. But I love talking to people. And if we're talking about cars, every minute of every day, then I've got my dream. And my dream is to just be around cars. And I said to my wife 10 years ago when I was here running the hotel, running weddings, and I still love that. I loved that then. I said to her, by the time I'm 50, I just want to be doing cars. And I didn't know what that was going to be because I'm not a mechanic. I'm not an engineer. I, 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 I don't know. I didn't know what it was going to be. But then with what happened after COVID, and I came into this and we started collaborating with clubs and then we started doing events and we started using more venues and to work in partnership with the British Motor Museum and an event next year in partnership with the National Motor Museum to be working at that level in partnership with the British Motor Show for me is has made 2022 uh, really, really awesome and proud for me. 2021 coming out of COVID was our foundation year. This year, we're kind of putting ourselves out there even more. The omnipresenter of petrolism has continued to grow, has continued to build, and it's still going strong. And the amount of times people say to me, they're seeing petrolism everywhere. And when you've said it there, that it makes me really, really proud. Um, a friend of mine, Yanni at Yanamize, always used the phrase hashtag brand everything. And I thought that was awesome because he literally does brand everything. Yeah. But for me, it had to be more about the people, the community. And I think because church has such an important place in the community, or it did do for some religions, like the newer generations aren't going to church as much as the older generations were, for my grandparents or when I go sort of thing. Um Church is such an important part of the community that that's why, for me, Omnipresenter is so much stronger than brand everything. And with our merch, Petrol Headings and World now, we're getting out there. We've got online shop and building that, and we're going to launch the new membership ambassador scheme shortly as well. And it just, it's just brilliant. But that's what you've done. You've created a sense of community, right, where people feel like I am part of the brand. Like when, when your car went on fire, Right, we all felt a loss, right? It's like, you know, um, when we go to an event, we're like, we're going to cheer as an event, man. Like, it's it's going to be amazing, right? You feel like you're part of the community, which I think is just so, so beautiful. And honestly, like, um, I'm just so grateful, man, so grateful. I have chills going up my arm when you mentioned about in those tough times, you always think about what you haven't got and what you haven't achieved yet. But it's important to look back and think where were you a year ago versus now and where you are a year ago versus now it just seems like it's just a complete new new kind of world man and uh, i'm so so excited to come to the event in a couple of weeks time before your phone dies uh i just want to say thank you so much man for everything you do and um it's been again an absolute pleasure and uh yeah man, i can't wait to see what 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 more comes out of the brand man Thank you, man. Um, great to be back behind the wheel and uh, look forward to seeing everybody at Petrolism Live and seeing you uh, there with the family, I guess. 